Kevin Markwick.
Would you believe that's 10 years old now? Seven Nation Army, of course, uh, the White Stripes in 2003 and their uh, classic album Elephant. Kevin Markwick here again for another two hours of that old uh, thing we call the Kevin Markwick Show. Thanks, Adrian, for two hours of soul grooviness. As usual, real Adrian this week, which was a shock. Genuinely thrilling show tonight. And I'm not just saying that. Music from uh, the Acid Casuals, Jonathan Richman, uh, the Unknown Mortal Orchestra, Robert Wyatt, Yola Tenga, among a host of others. A packed film section, including cool stuff from Peggy Lee, The Cramps, music from Holy Motors, and lots, lots more. Chaney is here to talk about Alexandra Desplat, and Groovy it is too. Uh, last of the Academy Award noms for soundtrack. It's just too much for one little show and one little me. And you, get in touch, of course. I'll tell you all about that in a minute. But first, we'll uh, we'll have some foals and uh, inhaler.
Foles from uh, the new album, Holy Fire. And it's all as equally as good as that. Now, one of the things I urge you to do every week is to get in touch with the show. Um, there are a, a varietal of ways, a variety of ways. Uh, you can hit us up on the Facebook page. We've got a groovy Facebook page at the Kevin Markwick Show. Go and log in that, like that, and that would be nice. And tell me what you think about what's going on, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Markwick. Uh, you can email the studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk that's the email address studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk it really would be good to hear from you and what you think uh, are there any other ways you can text apparently 01825891105 and then uh, add the word uckfield oh no that's the phone number <laughs> No one's ever texted me anyway. 800-10, there you go. Uh, uh, and uh, put Uckfield and then text 800-10, whatever. Whatever. Get on Facebook. That's what all the, the groovy kids are doing today. Here's the Acid Casuals.
Now is the time. Time for ice cream. Ice cream time. It's ice cream time with Lion's Mane. Ice cream time with Lion's Mane. Kevin Markwick. A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Around for a minute or two, and I'll admit something to you. I get intrigued when women look sinister. Call me superficial, but I stare at them vampire girls. It's not the mascara, it's not the tight dress, it's a look in the eyes gonna scare you to death, vampire girl, vampire girl, I get so intrigued when they look like a vampire girl, she could be, she could rise, she too ritual sacrifice, vampire girl, vampire girl.
Jonathan Richmond and Vampire Girl. Um, there was something I was going to say to you. Oh, yes, we got two couple more tracks, and then we are doing our uh, whiz around into the film hour part of the show, uh, which is uh, in uh, half, uh, half past the hour. In the meantime, here is the next big thing, apparently. It's the Unknown Mortal Orchestra. <laughs>
is rather good, though, isn't it? It's uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra from their second album, actually, which was uh, released earlier this month. Two, it's called. Uh, Unknown... Unknown Mortal Orchestra 2. That's not easy to say. Um, now, the last few weeks, I've uh, spared you the zapper, but uh, you're not going to get away with it much longer. So this this will be the last track before we go into the film section. Peaches and Regalia from Hot Rats. <laughs> gets any older personally from Hot Rats in 1970 
uh, one of the greatest albums ever made and actually turned up on uh, Danny Baker's thing he did on BBC4 uh, last week or the week before all about vinyl which was an absolute joy and if you haven't seen it and it's still on iPlayer then I suggest you go and have a look Kevin Markwick So here we are then, it's the filmy part of the show and the first thing we're going to do is have a look at the last remaining Oscar nomination for a Best Original Score. We've done, so far, Anna Karenina, Dario Marianelli. We've done Argo, Alexandra Desplat, uh, more of whom later. Uh, Life of Pi, Mikhail Danner. John Williams' score for Lincoln. That's the law. John Williams has written a score, so he must be nominated. Uh, in fact, I think it was an amendment, actually. After Lincoln did the whatever-it-was-amendment, they did another one that said John Williams must be nominated for an Oscar whenever he doth write one. And finally tonight, we're going to come to Thomas Newman's score for Skyfall, which uh, won the BAFTA. Uh, is it better than what David Arnold's been doing for the last uh, 20 years? difficult to say um probably a fresh a fresh approach was was quite good um and of course he always works with sam mendes so i guess that's probably one of the reasons he did it uh this is a cue called uh, komodo dragon
it really does owe an awful debt of gratitude to well, obviously Monty Norman's original theme um, but you can't imagine this score sounding like it does without John Barry's uh, kind of underpinning to all this it's good though what do I know Okay, that is uh, from the Skyfall soundtrack. Thomas Newman has been nominated for an Academy Award. Next week, we'll find out who it is. And uh, if I've stayed up all night, I'll be talking even more nonsense than I normally do. Right, it's time for Cheney Kent now, who's going to talk to us about uh, uh, Alexandra Day Player, and very, very good it is too. Hello. Picture this opening to a film. A man is jogging through a snow-covered park bright and pretty. There's something odd, though. Dressed from hood to toe in black, he seems to suck in the light like one of those old iPod dancing shadow adverts. The music seems to sniff this, too. Cheerful, Disney-like flutes bounce over warm strings, but the horns and timpani say something more dramatic. This is the puzzling open to the film Birth, and the music that makes the sequence so memorable and mysterious was my first encounter with the composer Alexandre Desplat. In fact, this was probably most people's first encounter with Desplat. He spent many years working in his native France before breaking through with birth, Jonathan Glazer's supernatural romantic thriller about a boy who claims to be the reincarnation of a neighbour's husband. What is interesting is that the music is certainly original, yet fits Glazer's own cinematic grammar perfectly. Desplat's music has character and invention, but it is professionally wrought, designed with the character and drama of its film very much in mind. For example, shortly after the urban fantasy of birth, Desplat recreated the rather more realist thrills of political drama in the Middle East with Seriana. This more conventional music is transformed by using regional instrumentation.
Of course, in this week approaching the 2013 Oscars, we are very much aware of Diplas' work in the Middle East. Argo is nominated for Best Original Score and shares a nomination for Best Picture with Zero Dark Thirty, another film this prolific composer worked on. The fact is that Alexandre Dupin is one of the most sought-after composers working in Hollywood at the moment. He took over from John Williams for the conclusion of the Harry Potter series, contributed the music to the big Christmas animation The Rise of the Guardians, and has written music for behemoths like The Golden Compass and The Twilight Saga. Over the past five years, he has produced scores for a spread of named directors, from Roman Polanski to Wes Anderson, from Terence Malick to Stephen Frears. No doubt Tom Hooper would have used him were Les Miserables not already a musical. Here's Deplas Q from Hooper's hugely successful previous film, The King's Speech, which recalls the melody of another famous learning sequence from film, Do a Deer from The Sound of Music. The director with whom Alexandre Desplat has a special relationship is his compatriot Jacques Audiard. Desplat has written the music for all Audiard's films, from See How They Fall in 1994 right through to this year's BAFTA-nominated Rust and Bone. Often concerning characters on the margins of society, the films follow the struggle of the protagonist to succeed in all its pity, romance and drama. In contributing music that, like all his scores, works hand-in-glove with the director, Audiard, Desplat has produced music that is equally responsible for the new wave of the French thriller, or polar. Here's a typically animated section from Read My Lips, a superb Vincent Cassel vehicle of 2001, 
and an indication of the Hollywood success to follow. Goodbye. Cheney, uh, that was blinking marvellous as usual, and actually he gets my vote for Argo. That's my, that's what uh, I would uh, if I was handing out the Oscars on Sunday next week. That's what I'd be handing it out to. He'll be back. Uh, Cheney will be back next week uh, when I think he's going to be talking about uh, the absolutely brilliant Eric uh, Eric von Korngold, who used to write scores back in the 30s for old Errol Flynn pictures and that very kind of distinctive Warner Brothers orchestra sound. So I'm looking forward to that because he's one of my favourites. Now, what have I been doing uh, in film this week? Not much. Um, saw a couple of films. I caught up on a couple of films and we unwrapped another old uh, sort of Blu-ray that uh, I bought to catch up on uh, to see uh, the new high definition transfer. Uh, we caught up actually me and the boys, my boys we caught up on uh, a bit of kind of nonsense when we sat through Dread and do you know what I quite enjoyed it. Very simple to the point action movie it's not going to win any awards, it's not going to change your life but it's very very efficient as is the, uh, as is the score by uh, who does the score? Oh Paul Leonard Morgan who is a new one to me this is called She's a Pass
part of uh, Paul Leonard Morgan's score for Dread, which was, you know, pretty good. We didn't have to sit through the Dread story, you know, the Genesis story, and oh, and he's bitten by a by a judge and he turns into a judge and all that boring stuff we have to sit through every time they make a Spider-Man movie or a, a new uh, a series of Batman movies. So it was uh, kind of efficient to the point. Very violent, very, very violent. But nevertheless, uh, strangely enjoyable. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we did. We did. We enjoyed it a lot. So there's more stuff after this. Something special. Really different. Tastes great. Frankie's spicy pork and beef sausage in a sesame seed roll. Topped with mustard, tomato or fruity sauce. Frankie's, the super hot dog. On sale at the kiosk now. Frankie's, from Lyon. Kevin Markwick. 105, Uckfield FM.
Ilya's theme uh, from Jerry Goldsmith's beautiful score for Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979. Uh, you know, he's a favourite of mine, Goldsmith. Uh, that was a great score. Um, and we unwrapped the Blu-ray and had a look at that. And they all look so young. It's kind of scary, but I still enjoyed it. I know it's long and a bit tedious and V'ger-ish, but I, I still enjoy it. Right, uh, so what have I got to do before we get to the news is the other thing I wanted to tell you was that I finally got around to seeing the extraordinary thing that is Holy Motors. Brilliant stuff. From Holy Motors, uh, Leo Carax's extraordinary, uh, absolute joyful piece of filmmaking. Which you haven't, if you haven't seen, I urge you go and see it right this, well, not right this minute, because we've got news coming up and then the second out of the show, but you know what I'm trying to say. So on the other side, it's the time machine. Kevin Markwick.
fourth dimension. You, you see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. You maniac! You blow it up! God damn you! God damn you all to hell! Must be some kind of hot tub time machine. Oh, here we are. I've done my sequin boob tube time machine. And we... <laughs> Sound a bit Terry Wogan then. Um, back to February 1997. Uh, in the UK, John Major was still Prime Minister. Channel 5 was launched. Um, and I still haven't seen it. Have you? Has anybody seen? No. Uh, and Teletubbies was invented. Uh, the BBC also launched a full online news service. Amazing for the first time. Uh, Skinhead O'Connor was number one um, with Nothing Compares to You. At the Picture House, Half Term was upon us, as it is this week. And apart from one of the films, uh, they weren't especially half termy, which was a bit odd. I don't know what I was thinking there. Can't remember, it was too long ago. Uh, anyway, in its third week, uh, Mel was going off on one. I came from fairly humble beginnings from upstate New York. I'd never even been in an airplane before. In 1971, I threw everything I owned into a charter service. In a world where great risks can bring extraordinary rewards. In a world grown in 37 countries worldwide. The most important thing to me these days, family. Mine. Tom Mullen has succeeded. He's so shy. Next month he's doing the underwear billboard in time. It's that voice again. His wildest dreams. I have your son. Give me two million dollars, or you'll never see him again. Sean! Your only priority is get your boy back. Has the some sign that he's alive? Is he indoors? Is he outdoors? Oh, Zach! Kidnappings have you worked before? Ten. Got back seven. What went wrong? If I were a betting man, I would bet on the people who pay. Did you bet on the ones where you got back a corpse? They had him right where they wanted. Yeah, he hung up. You don't know where he is. You don't know who he is. You're the FBI and you don't know somebody. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, dear. Ransom was a thriller about a man whose son had been kidnapped. But being Mel, he takes a more aggressive stance than normal and physically goes out to get his son back and does all sorts of weird jumping around things. It was kind of daft and overwrought. It would have been far better had it not been directed by Ron Howard, who's just too nice to make a film that needed to be nasty like this one. And, you know, he's just such a nice guy. And all his films are quite nice. Um, anyway, uh, it's not, you know, it wasn't as good as it should have been. It wasn't bad. Third week took £1,184, uh, which was uh, not bad at all, actually. Uh, in the early part of the day on that screen was a, a lady with much bigger cojones. Is that the right word? <laughs> um... Alan Parker's film of uh, Rice and Webber's Avito had been a huge hit for us. Uh, it was doing really, really well. Uh, the thing is, that my two abiding memories of Avita are the print turning up literally 20 minutes before it was due on screen when it started at the beginning of January. Uh, boy, I had to get it out of the can and onto spools so quickly, which is not favourite, as you have no time to check it. Of course... Um, it was on film, 
which meant sometimes you got dodgy lab splices, which is where the uh, the lab had stuck two bits of stock together, you know, rather than waste uh, sort of end bits, they'd stick two bits together. And you used to get all sorts of horrible, horrible kind of weird joins with bits of yellow tape around them and, you know, I mean, what these prints cost, really, it was, it was terrible. Anyway, so, uh, it's, so you know, I was just simply throwing it on the projector and hoping for the best, which is always nerve-wracking. Ironically, if the same happened today, we would not have made the performance as the time taken to load a digital film is quite long. It's sort of, you know, an hour, hour and a half. Uh, at least with film, you can start playing before the rest of it is out of the can because we had two projectors then. I think we said, yeah, we still had two projectors. So you could, you know, get the first 20 minutes on a spool and then uh, get that running and then, you know, wind the rest of it by uh, as, as quickly as you could. The second thing I remember about it was uh, the ladies, the old ladies complaining that the sound was too loud. So no change there then, uh, although that one was quite powerful. Uh, even on early shows uh, only, it managed a strong 1,184 in its seventh week. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, here is Madonna and uh, one of the most famous songs from the film. Never fool myself That my dreams will come true Being used to trouble I anticipate it But all the same I hate it Wouldn't you? So what happens now? So what happens now? Where am I going to? Where am I going to? Time and time again, I've said that I don't care that I'm immune. I'm hard through and through But every time it matters All my words desert me So anyone can hurt me And they do So what happens now? So what happens now? Where am I going to?
Yeah, uh, it was a big hit and it was great. So another suitcase and another haul from uh, Evita, Alan Parker. It was good to see Alan Parker uh, at the BAFTAs, honoured with the uh, Fellowship Award. Uh, he made some great, great, has made, still making some great movies. In screen one, we were showing the first week of Fly Away Home. This was definitely the film for half term. Now, the pitch is that a father and a daughter attempt to lead a flock of orphaned Canada geese south by air. Um, and it feels like it comes from a different time, actually. Not because it's old-fashioned, but because it harks back to a time when we were making films the family could go and see and get something more than pratfalls and wise-ass dialogue. Now... <laughs> I have to qualify that last statement. I'm, I'm in no way making a case for sanitised entertainment. Anyone who knows me would realise that that's the last thing I want to see. <laughs> um, the film, you know, it dealt with difficult themes. That's the thing. The girl, Anna Paquin, has lost her mother in a car crash. Uh, an extraordinary opening sequence that stuck with me for ages. And the father character, played with great sensitivity by Jeff Daniels, is both kind of solid, but at the same time difficult rather isolating the girl who doesn't want to speak to anybody and and until they join together take these geese home uh, it seems to be a film about loss and facing up to the truth as well as a um i'm reticent to use the word uplifting adventure i know it sounds putrefying but it stays this side of cheap and easy sentimentality with great skill uh, we need more films like this uh, honestly there's a huge market for them uh, films that don't patronise any part of the audience you know that can deal with grown up stuff because kids have to deal with grown up stuff whether we like it or not um, anyway here's uh, there's a heartbreaking song that, that features at both ends of the film if memory serves it's uh, Mary Chafin Carpenter 10,000 Miles And the sea 
Chafin Carpenter from the soundtrack of uh, Fly Away Home, a respectable £3,583 for that film, which was good. Uh, not the biggest half time ever, but okay. Uh, it's also uh, a shame that the director of Fly Away Home, Carol Ballard, hasn't made, made more films. If you remember, he directed um, Black Stallion, which was uh, st- uh, stunning to look at. It was an extraordinary thing and quite, quite shocking at the time. Uh, we got cool tracks coming up after this. Stand by for launching. It's Zoom with three new flavors and free picture cards. Start collecting famous aircraft. There's a free card with every Zoom on sale now. Kevin Markwick. Okay, here's the section of the show where we play cool music that's used in films. So they're not written for the film, but it's like really cool music. Now, uh, Jason and Eastbourne emailed me at the end of the last uh, last week's show, said he was in bed enjoying his bubbly milk, which we all do from time to time. And he came up with a couple of great suggestions, actually, for cool tracks used in movies. Uh, and they're even connected. He's thought about this, which is great. Thank you, Jason. Um... First off, we're going to play Peggy Lee, uh, Is That All There Is?, which it was used in the 1985 film that Martin Scorsese directed, After Hours. It was the kind of original yuppie nightmare movie, which is quite often offhand when they describe a film as a yuppie nightmare, but I guess this was the first one. Griffin Dunn goes into a bar, he's had a terrible night, and he goes into a bar, and he just wants to get, he's, he's just, because you know, the subway went up, and, well, if you haven't seen it, I, I urge you to go and find it, because it's, uh, it's, it's rather, rather brilliant and he goes into this strange bar in this kind of back area of uh, downtown New York where Terry Gar is there and she puts this song on the jukebox and the atmosphere is just brilliant I remember when I was a little girl our house caught on fire I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced to the burning building out of the pavement And I stood there, shivering in my pajamas, and watched the whole world go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If I 
Peggy Lee, uh, is that all there is? Memorably used in Martin Scorsese's After Hours in 1985, which was a bar scene. And Jason's second suggestion is also a bar scene that uses a, a Peggy Lee song, only this time it's a cover. And it's that uh, violent 
and um, unsettling scene from Catherine Bigelow's uh, vampire movie Near Dark in 1987 uh, which for my money was the vampire movie of the 80s not The Lost Boys I'll be, nobody will thank me for saying that but there you go I think Near Dark's a, a far superior film uh, and uh, the, it's kind of you have to see it really there's a whole bunch of uh, records on the jukebox but when things uh, get really really nasty and throats get opened and blood gets sucked uh, we get the cramps cover of Fever <laughs> Upon the 
Interior and the Cramps, uh, Fever, cover of uh, Peggy Lee's song, uh, so memorably used in uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark in 1987. And then another jukebox scene before that. Is that all there is? Uh, Peggy Lee herself singing that song. So thanks for that, Jason. That's really appreciated. If you have any suggestions for cool tracks that are used in films, uh, and if you can even find a link like Jason's done, then that's even better. Uh, please hit us up at Kevin Mark on Twitter, the Kevin Markwick Show on Facebook. Uh, you can email me studio at alfieldfm.co.uk or any number of ways, really. I know you despise me 
What's his face? Robert Wyatt, the brilliant Robert Wyatt from Comic Opera in 2007. Just as you are. So it's only good music. Not that we ever play anything else on this show, but uh, only good music now uh, on the way down to the news. Now, this is uh, something uh, my wife asked me to play because she likes it. Hard Times of England. It's, um, it's a kind of modern folk song, really. Have a listen and uh, I'll tell you all about it afterwards.
from the city who are happy to buy for their holiday cottage to stand empty all die singing all the hard times of old Bloody blaze nose, but they said not a word when our post office closed. See all the hard times of old England, in old England, very hard times. All the hedgerows my grandfather tended up. My song, let's hope that these hard times they will not last long, and I may soon have occasion for to alter my song and sing all the good times of old. say my wife asked me to play it what i meant to say was she suggested we play it because it would work it would work well in the show and it does um it's actually uh oh <laughs> do you know when you do this and your head empties it's the most extraordinary thing it just empties uh, hard times of old england and that's actually Simon Emerson of the Afro-Celt Sound System. It's a, a project that he put together. And, and on that particular track, there's uh, Billy Bragg, Simon Emerson himself, the young Copper family, and Eliza Carthy. So uh, it's right. No, I rather liked it. It's kind of modern folk music, an interesting, interesting thing. Here's Yola Tengo. <laughs>
Yona Tengo from the new album Fade. And that's called I'll Be Around. Um, now, I decided, I made a, a unilateral decision, because all, <laughs> all the decisions on, on the show are unilateral, actually, because it's my show. And there's no one else to argue with, only myself, which I do quite a lot, uh, that we haven't played enough uh, Neil Young. So here from 1970 and the After the Gold Rush album is Only Love Can Break Your Heart. It's true, you know. It's almost over, actually, uh, which is can be a good thing or can be a, a, a bad thing, depending on your point of view, I suppose. Now, here we are. It's time. Uh, have you got your coconuts out? Mm-hmm. 
nice coconuts. It's almost over. I said that already, didn't I? Thank you very much for joining me. It's been rather wonderful. So what I'm going to do is use this last minute or so to urge you to get in touch. I like or I will keep playing this tune for the next hour. All around, I like painting Okay. Um, at Kevin Markwick on Twitter, the Kevin Markwick Show uh, on Facebook. I'd love to know what you think. And uh, join me again next week when there will be more, hopefully, of the same. So, this nonsense is going to take us all the way up to the the, an uncertain smile, which will take us to the news. So, please come back again next week.
colored shapes through your windows. A broken soul stares from a pair of watering eyes. Uncertain emotions for some uncertain Sweat pours out, just shout. I try to swim and pull you
Now it's time for ice cream. Or maybe some nuts. A cool glass of orange. Why not try a hot dog? Or the real thing, a cool, refreshing Coca-Cola. From the sales staff and in the foyer. Now.